0: Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Morning, church. Yeah, just uh, you know, during the summer, as I've mentioned before, reach out to. Um, those who aren't with us this morning, um, I, I know for a fact they're not ditching, right? You know, it's not football season, so they're not staying home to watch their team. Uh, we have some families that are on vacation, um, and also a couple of families that have COVID. And so, uh, not a lot of us here this morning, but um, be praying for them, reach out to them, let um, let them know that we love them. Um, this morning, it's so great. Um, for one, scene, Madison, thank you for, for helping lead us in worship. <clears throat> um, and also, um, Ian, my son, helped basically doing all the electronic stuff by himself. <laughs> so, <clears throat> th- this is something that's been part of my heart since I got here, and that is, as I've told you before, I, uh, this can't be the James show. Like, I don't want it to be. None of us want that. And so how can you serve? How, how can you fit in? How can you do more? I want to figure that out with you. And so let me know. You pray about it. How do you want to grow in this season of your life? How can you feel? Maybe you have some gifts that aren't being used. We, we will figure it out. I mean, this is, that's, that's a nice benefit of having a smaller church, you know, in, in this season of your life is that if you're part of a huge church, you might have a gift and you might really want to do something, but that cue, the, the, by the time you actually get to do something, um, it's very long. So we, we will figure out how uh, for you to serve here. Just let me know. So this morning, we're going to continue reading uh, through the book of John. So I should have opened that earlier. <laughs> Another benefit of a small church. You get to hear the drinks being opened. Um, so... When I first became a Christian, I used to listen to a lot of Christian radio. A lot of Christian radio, especially I had a long uh, commute to work. <clears throat> and so, uh, the reason I did that is because I'm trying to figure out how to be a Christian, right? <laughs> like, I know, like, I, I love Jesus, I believe in Jesus, but I'm listening to all these radio shows to figure out just, just, just a concept, you know, a construct for my faith. And so, praise God that I picked a good radio station that had um, J. Vernon McGee. Maybe if you're older, you know Vernon McGee. You know the voice, right? Um, R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur, Alistair Begg. And I had no idea who they were at the time, but thankfully um, they were my my earliest teachers. In between those programs, they had little short little segments. And so in between the programs, they had this one segment called Breakpoint. You guys remember Breakpoint? So breakpoint point um, was Chuck Colson's ministry. And so there's this guy named Chuck Colson who promotes prison ministries and, and doing ministries, um, all kinds of ministries within uh, prisons. He, he formed Prison Fellowship, wrote, I believe, something like 30 books. And one of the reasons he had a heart for prison ministry, I found out way later, way later, is that he was actually in prison. And so the reason he was in prison you know, as, as I got further into it, is because of Watergate, right? So he's a huge player. He's, his nickname was The Hatchet Man. Like, he's in Watergate big time. And so he becomes a Christian just after all that is exposed. And so he goes to prison. The reason he, he, he is the first person to go to prison is because he says, now that I'm a Christian, I can't lie. And so he was probably good enough to get away with it, but he admitted to everything. In fact, he gave them information that they didn't have. And so he's like, I am going to offer all this up. I will do my time, which was um, noble and very Christian. But there was something else different about Colson. And that was the fact after Watergate went down, everybody turned their back on President Nixon. Right? Nobody wants to be associated with this guy, right? Stand as far away as you can, but except for Colson, Colson didn't. Colson never left his side, and in a famous interview you, you may have heard before with Mike Wallace, Mike Wallace basically cornered him and confronted him and said, why, like how could you, everything you know, everything that you know now, how could you still be friends with Nixon? And Colson's reply was, he's my friend, and I don't turn my back on my friend's. So Colson was quite a good friend. In fact, Colson made a career out of befriending people who people don't want to be friends with. He would go to prison to make friends with people <coughs> to be their best friends. And the reason he did that is because Colson had found his best friend. Right? Colson had found Jesus, and Jesus is such a good friend that Colson could do nothing else except as a result of that be a great friend. And so this morning, we're going to look at the fact that friendship with Jesus is the ultimate friendship. And it's a friendship, I'm kind of tying into last week, that produces fruit. So the fruit of having our friend be Jesus is that we're going to have the fruit of them being a great friend. So our text today is going to be John 15 again, verses 12 through 18. And our sermon is called, A Friend Like Jesus. Let me open us in prayer. Lord, you are awesome. You are faithful. I thank you that that, uh, we know Jesus as a friend. I ask, Lord, for all of us that um, this morning your spirit would speak to us. And first off, let us know what it means to be a friend of Jesus and just what a great friend uh, he was and is to us. But then let us then also react to that by being friends, Lord. And We thank you for our friendship with Christ, Lord. We thank you for all we have in Christ, Lord. Amen. And so the first thing I want us to understand this morning, tying into last week, and as we talked about bearing fruit and branches that bear fruit and those who don't bear fruit, is the fact that we need fruit. We need some fruit. And the reason that we need fruit is because we don't want to be the branch that doesn't bear fruit, right? That's our first goal. If we don't bear fruit, then we know that we don't abide in Christ. So this is serious. We don't display Christ's likeness. And the problem with that, as we saw in verse 2, is every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Consequently we also read in verse 6 if anyone does not abide in me he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned So the last thing that we don't want the last thing we don't want is to be a branch that doesn't bear fruit We want none of that we don't want to be gathered we don't want to be thrown into the fire and maybe during my sermon last week or maybe during the week of this week, you've thought about that and you've looked at your life, right? And you're like, oh man, I better find some fruit. Like this, the, the, the other option is, is horrible. Do I have any fruit in my life that I abide in Christ? And maybe you didn't see any fruit. I mean, let's just be honest. If you're giving an honest assessment of your life, maybe you say, I didn't see fruit, or maybe you didn't even know what you were looking for. Like, what are my options? Like, you know, I should, have, I should have fruit. You may have said, well, I'm not in ministry. I'm not discipling somebody. How can I be like Christ? He is perfect. And yet, that desire itself, it's a great desire, right? Because it points to, to verse 8 where it says, "...by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." And so your desire to glorify the Father and to have fruit, I would say, is your first fruit, right? So I hope that, so count that one, right? So count that as one of your fruit. You, you can sleep better tonight, right? So you got a piece of fruit right there. Nobody desires this stuff. It's nonsense to everybody else. That desire is a fruit. And this morning, we're going to go a little bit further than that. Out of that fruit, Jesus is going to talk about another fruit that we should see in our life. And one, I'd say even if you don't see it, this is, I think this is an easy one to quickly start producing fruit in your life, and that is by having loving friendship among the branches. Having loving friendship among the branches. And so having these, these, this love for the other branches that are here at church, that will show that you are a disciple. So with that in mind, let me read this big chunk of verses from 12 to 17. This is my commandment. This is Jesus speaking, not not, not me. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servants uh, does not know what their master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And so what we find here is our greatest friend, Jesus, telling us something I think that we all already know. And that is that we need friends, right? We need friends. In fact, uh, anybody heard of Mayo Clinic? Like you go online to you know Mayo Clinic? Yeah, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> don't, <coughs> don't ever go online to Mayo Clinic okay, unless you want to be terrified. It's always, it's always the worst possible news. But this was interesting that I came across this because as I was researching like the benefits of friendships, just generally speaking, not even Christian, but just generally speaking the biggest champion of friendships was Mayo Clinic. So I was like, something not negative. Let's take a look at this. And so this is according to Mayo Clinic. Friends, enrich your life and improve your health because of an increase in your sense of belonging and purpose. It boosts your happiness and reduces your stress. Improves your self-confidence and self-worth. Helps you cope with trauma such as divorce, Serious illness, job loss, or death of a loved one, encourages you to change or avoid unhealthy lifestyle habits such as excessive drinking or lack of exercise. Sounds about right. Right? Those are all good things. And so we need friends. I appreciate um, I know a lot of you have already been a friend to me and, and encouraged me to exercise, right? You know who you are, and so I've been on a lot of walks with some of you, and that's being a great friend. Not only that, I mean, Scripture is not silent about this whole concept of friendship. Like, it's all over the, the entire scope of Scripture. But one verse that I always love, because I think it, it, it's, it preaches that practical aspect of having friends, is Ecclesiastes 4.10, where it says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. So friends build each other up, and friends lift each other up. And friends are important in every area of life. I mean, you know if you have a job, it's so much easier if you have work with people that you like and have friends And every area of life. It's great to have friends. If you can have friends in every compartment of your life, man, that, that's great. That's a win. But I, I would say even more so in your faith, having friends is extremely important, now, next week, when we start in verse 18, little sneak peek, verse 18 says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And so, right off the bat, a benefit of having Christian friends, uh, of knowing that we are friends and that we love each other and that we're abiding as branches, is the fact that we know when we leave these doors, the world hates us, Right? So we, we, need to, we need to take care of each other and build each other and lift each other up. The world is going to try to tear us apart. You probably know that already. It's going to try to knock us down. And so we need to treat other branches like Jesus treats us. It's interesting that Jesus calls this friendship. But it's a command, but it's, it's also Friendship. And Jesus is the best friend we could ever have. And with that in mind, I want to go through these verses, 12 through 17, that we looked at and use the acronym PALS. And so just think, um, like, you're a good friend, you're a pal. So we're going to use the acronym PALS. And so let's look at the P first, which is to promote. Promote. Now, that one's a weird one, right? That's the promote. What does it have to do with Friendship. Like, what would you think of me if I came up to you and said, I promote you to being my friend? (laughs) Oh, I didn't know it was that big a deal, right? Um, It is. Um, But, I mean, check this out. This is literally what happens in this verse, and it's very cool. In verse 15, it says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. And so there's this transformation from master and servants to master and friends. And I don't think we really see this, This like in real life, we don't see this play out. Jesus is saying he is the master. I mean, don't get that wrong. Jesus himself says, well, let's not demote me. <laughs> like I'm not... Jesus is saying, I'm the master. I'm not lowering myself to be friends with you. I'm the master, but I am promoting you guys up to being my friends. And I love this example of the fact he uses that you know, he's telling them, you know that, that, that you were not just a servant because I have told you everything. I've shared everything with you. What master does that? Right? With a servant Right? That doesn't happen. Can you imagine just having you know, a very powerful uh, leader right? or, or CEO or boss or somebody just go to the most lowly of servants and just say, yeah, I'm going to share everything, share everything with you. It just doesn't happen. And here we have God doing it. And the reality is Jesus could have said in, in, in the most godlike voice, right? In a sonic voice, like, I am the master. <laughs> like, you guys need to listen. Servants listen and obey. You know, love one another. But he doesn't do that. In fact, we know over the last three chapters that this is a meal, right? They're they're hanging out. This, he's not yelling at them. He's not talking down to them. He's lying down with them and eating. More than that, he says, when he commands them to do this, he compels them to do it. And so he doesn't just say, do this thing like a, a boss normally would. Do this thing that, that, that is above or below what I would normally do, which is a normal boss-servant relationship, right? Right? But Jesus says, do this thing that I do, right? Do it the way that I do it. And so he presents this example of sacrificial love and friendship. And so Jesus promotes them to friendship. And the reality is no matter how successful you are, no matter how successful you are, if Jesus calls you friend, you have been promoted. Do you know that? You've been promoted. It doesn't get better than that. There's 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 no title. There's nothing that you can do or accomplish that will be greater than being a friend of Jesus. And Jesus is a friend of those who abide. So let's look at the A, abide. Now Jesus isn't the one who abides, so why is this a point? Right? It's us who abide. But in verse 16 it says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. And so Jesus chose you, right? That, that's is Jesus talking. Jesus says, "I chose you." What is it? Where, where, how does he follow that up? I appointed you. Like, don't be confused about this. I did everything in this relationship. You weren't spiritual, strong, or smart. You'd still be out fishing, right? I, you're in this moment because I chose you. In fact, this, what this reminded me of, and I don't know, it's been a long time since I've been in school, but I remember being in gym and you having two captains who get to pick, I don't know, younger people than me, but you have two captains that get to pick all the teams for everything. And the reality is, you want your friend to be one of the captains, right? That's what she wants because, at least in my case, like I am not worthy to be chosen. And so I need my friend to choose me And so, um, and that's what I see here is Jesus choosing people um, who were still dead in their sins, um, were his enemies, right? He's choosing his enemies for his team and to be his friends. In their foolishness, Jesus is choosing them to abide in him and be his friends. And he does this because of his unconditional love. And so looking at that L, love, And this one, it seems like the easiest one. Well, Jesus is love. Jesus loves us, we get that. But we're talking about how his love makes him an awesome friend. And how he provides an example of this when he says in verse 12, this is my commandment, because he's the master, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now it's overwhelming to think about how much Jesus loves us. let's just be honest we say it yeah I know Jesus loves me but can you comprehend that can you communicate that I can't it's insane and and it's totally awesome it's cool but it also terrifies me this really scares me (laughs) because what this verse says is the expectation is that we are to love each other like Jesus loves us now, I love you guys. You've heard me say I love you guys. I think even from the pulpit. I hope I show that. I hope, I, I hope you guys know that. But do I love you like Jesus loves me? I don't know. I'm going to be quite honest. As much as I love you guys, as much as Jesus loves me, or as much as Jesus loves you, that's the expectation. And that is the expectation. That is the expectation of us, the thing that we are commanded To do. And and we'll talk about more about what that looks like in a few minutes here. But the greatest expression of Jesus' love for us is, is his example of sacrifice. As he says in verse 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Have you ever compared your love with somebody else's? Have you ever like been like, um, you compare who loves who more? You guys, you guys have done that, right? If you've ever been in a relationship, yes, I hear giggling. If you've been in a relationship, you know you've been in that moment where it's like, no, I love you more. No, I love you more. And you can even give examples of it. Well, here's how I know I love you more. Because remember when I did this or said that, I did that thing, And it's great, that's that's a great time. But the fact is, Jesus has us all beat, right? And so he gives this example, right, of his love for us, and and, in a way saying, look how much I love you. This is the example of what love is, and so this is the standard. And so Jesus can say, you know how much I love you? You know how I I know I love you? You were dead in your sins, You were on your way to hell. I chose you, he's already said. I chose you and I went and was killed for you. Not only that, I come back from the grave, you abide with me and I call you friends. That is the standard of sacrificial love. And look, I, I, I firmly believe the disciples don't fully understand what Jesus is saying here but they will in less than 24 hours, right? This whole conversation, is gonna, the meaning is going to change for them in less than 24 hours. When their master and friend is nailed to a cross, covered in blood, crown of thorns, pierced side, forsaken by the Father, to what? Save them. The wrath of God that Jesus experienced on the cross was their wrath. Right? That, that was due for them. And so this example now is going to change the rest of their life. We will, we will see that. And we see that in the fact that we are a church today, that these, people, these guys were so transformed by this sacrificial love, this friendship, that they then go on to start the church on, on whose shoulders we stand and in. And so the standard of love and friendship and sacrifice reached their ultimate like pinnacle in the cross of Christ. Right, that is the expectation. That is the bar. Which means, at the end of the day, no matter w- what your Christology is, your beliefs about Christ, theological beliefs, what we can say without a doubt is that we have a great friend in Christ. Right? He's the, the best possible friend we can have. But when Jesus is our friend and we are abiding, that I believe that means that we need to be pals as well, right? That was the whole point of this, right? It wasn't just Jesus saying, how awesome am I? I'm an awesome friend. Let's celebrate me. He's saying, I'm an awesome friend, so you guys be awesome friends, right? Go love one, one another, right? Love the other branches. Show friendship. Bear this fruit of friendship and love for one another. And so uh, much more quickly, going through this, th- this acronym, promote. And let's get real. We can't offer what Jesus offered. Even if we own our own business, even if we are super wealthy, successful, we will never meet somebody who is as far beneath us as the disciples were, and we are under Christ. So we're never going to be able to offer that promotion that Jesus did to them. But we can promote the promoter. So we know the guy who can do that. We know the guy who can promote from 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 death to not only life but friendship. And so for us promote means promote the promoter, so preach the gospel. Right? We can't offer that promotion. We're not responsible for that, but we can definitely say this guy is the best friend anyone can have. And so we share the gospel. And that's why it says in Romans 10:5, "How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news." There's not not a more friendly, loving action than you can do for somebody than to preach the gospel to them and introduce them to Jesus or even remind them of who they are in Jesus. You know, and the other part of this, especially as it relates to each other, is recognizing the value that Christ has for each one of us. And so very personally for each one of us, it's a win and we could celebrate that we are friends. But we are not just friends of Jesus. We are in a friend group now, right? We know friend groups, right? And so we are all friends in Christ, but we also have this friend group, which means as we look at each other, like the expectation is that we are going to love each other like Christ loves us, and we have to love this new friend group that we have. And when we do that, that promotes to the world that we are different, Right? That's how we promote Christ to the world, by our love for one another. And I see this especially when we abide. So the A, when we abide. As we learned last week, this is the essential application of the text, is abiding. Start there. Like, if you're not abiding in Christ, don't worry about the friendship part as much as make sure you're abiding first. This stuff will come with that, but you need to abide in Christ And if we abide in Christ, that means we belong to Christ. And if we belong to Christ, you know what that means? We belong to each other. If we belong to Christ, we belong to each other. And so we have an intimacy that is eternal. Like, we are family. We will always be family. No matter what happens in the future, even if we move. You know, we know people who have moved from this church and they are still family, it's because they are, They're still, they still absolutely are family. And I think that's what's important when it comes to building a culture for a church. If we are branches that abide in Christ, we will be more welcoming, we will be more loving, we will be more understanding, we will reflect all those things that will make somebody want to be a part of a church. Now, for me, one way I think that we express this, and I think we do a great job of this as a church, just for encouragement, is that we make each other feel at home in each other's houses. Like I've been to a lot of your houses, as you've been to mine, and I know, speaking for me, I don't sense that awkwardness that normally comes with right being at somebody else's house. You know, I feel so at home at other people's houses, and um, I think. Um, I think it might have been you, Madison, um, who asked if you walked into my house if it wasn't community group. Is that you? Uh, yeah, so it's like that fear. Yeah, it's like, what if it's not community group night? And I walk into this house, and as I've told, I, I think most of you before, great. There's no part of that. That's not a win for me. Now, you do that, yes, you know, I didn't have the 10-minute warning to pick up and and clean up and pretend that I live this clean life so you don't get that but if you show up at my house I have no problem with that you know I, I really don't and quite frankly I feel like there's sometimes where I come up to your doors and I think if I walked in those doors they would not care like they would they would not care you know they might be surprised for a minute but immediately would be like oh cool You know, as soon as they just realized I was there, it would immediately transfer into this fact that we could abide with each other. And if you've been in the church long or been part of different church families, that's not the norm. Now, it is in other churches, but it's not the norm. I can tell you that. A lot of churches, abiding with each other means Sunday morning. So another thing I love about this church, and I think this is still that fruit, and it's still how we love each other, is the fact that we do stuff together outside of church, whether it's um, skating, having a meal together, uh, going to the movies. You know, as we saw Top Gun last last weekend, um, a little embarrassed by how much I enjoyed that, but um, it was a lot of fun. But and and we weren't going over scripture, like we weren't we weren't in the theater like. Going over scripture in between scenes, we are just we're just hanging out, right? And so, yes, church, yes, community group, yes, you know, men's group Monday nights, or or if you're being discipled by me, or whatever group you meet in, all those things are great, but also abiding with each other and everything else, I, I think shows that love and that friendship. And it gives that opportunity to build friendship around other areas of our life. And we do this because we love each other in Christ. And so we come to love, which is a fruit by itself. If you have love, that is supernatural. And I'm talking about love not for yourself. That's completely natural, if you're obsessed with yourself. We're all there. We're all, we're all there in some way. But love for others, like that's what we're commanded to do here. Take that love and point it to others. The Christian life is all about love, which first means loving Jesus. Well, how do we know we love Jesus? I know this is the third week in a row we've talked about this, but John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I want us to always know that lest we confuse what our faith is about and, and what it means to be a Christian or spiritual. Second, understanding this morning that Jesus is the best friend we could possibly have. How do we know we're friends with Jesus? Also important to know. John 15, 14, you are my friend if you do what I command you. So, and this isn't obedience. I know it's kind of weird when we translate it. This isn't obedience that leads to friendship. Jesus is not keeping track of how you, obedient you are in order to promote you. Your obedience is because you've been promoted. And you can't be anything, be, then be obedient, because you know who you are. You're a friend of Jesus, and so you obey out of that. I think some of the translations make it sound like you're earning it, and that, that, is, not, that is not in the text. And so if being friends and loving Jesus means being obedient to his commandments, then then what is his commandment? Well, in this one conversation, for the last couple of weeks, we've been in this one conversation. Three times he mentions the commandment, right? Three times. We'll look at those really quickly. In John 13, 34, 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then in our passage today, John 15, 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And then the third time in this conversation, uh, in verse 17, these things I commanded you that you will love one another. And if you ever wanted to summarize the Christian faith, evaluate whether you're a Christian, I'll communicate somebody, to somebody who asks, like, what does it mean to be a Christian? Love Jesus, right? And love each other. Right? I mean, that's it. I mean, this is, this is Jesus' last conversation with them. Last conversation. Three times. He could have shared three different truths with them. But it, instead, one truth three times, which means we can't ignore that that this is the fruit that we should strive for. And I think that we, that we could, that we could easily do, and that we should pray for, and that, that we should display. But it's not always easy, which means sometimes it requires sacrifice. And we need only look to Jesus to understand love and sacrifice. Again, first, uh, verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And I think, again, we have to think about this so soberly when it comes to the other branches, that the bar has been set, It's an insanely high bar. We can't, I I would say we could never assume that we are loving each other as much as Christ loves us. I I just don't think we're ever going to get to that point, as much as I know that we are very friendly and love each other. But would you sacrifice everything for another branch here? Jesus would and did. Jesus is the kind of friend who stood between the eternal cosmic just wrath of the Father. Like that's, that's the friend. Right? He did that for us. He did that out of friendship and love for us. And he says he chose us, which means he had you in mind when he did that. He knew exactly who he was doing this for. And that's why I will always say that Jesus took names to the cross Do we have hearts that love the branches more than ourselves? The example of Jesus, if you look at Jesus' life, they did everything together, like everything. They, went, they, went, they traveled together, they ate together, he shared information with them, shared resources with them, and offered his life. Now in Romans 12:1, Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so this all ties in together. Well, how do we worship God? By being obedient, being sacrificially obedient. And in this text here, we see the application of that. The first application of that is to each other, right? And, and Which is why I always tell you, all of you have so many ministries that, that you don't take credit for. The ministry to yourself, if you're not leading yourself, nobody else is going to lead you, right, to your spouse, to your, to your children, uh, sometimes even to your work, and so you have all these ministries, and you might even have a ministry on top of that, and so your obedience is sacrificing in those areas. It also means offering our entire lives to each other. Every time we do something with the church, and I thought about this, you know, you know, as Gianna was gone, and I was by myself for, for a few days, I survived somehow. Um, a lot of tears, but I survived. Um, but I got to spend a lot of time with a lot of, like every day, there was days where I was doing something with somebody in the church, like at every moment. And I just, as I read this, it made me think, well, you guys understand sacrificing. When you, whenever you do anything with anybody else in this church, you're sacrificing something you could be doing or buying, right? You, you are sacrificing even your time. Meeting together is a sacrifice of your time. When we meet together Sunday morning, that is fruit. That is a sacrifice. Offering your homes for use is a sacrifice that helps us abide together. Offering financial and other resources. You know, investing in the church when you can invest in anything else. Right? Bitcoin, uh, collecting action figures, movies, jerseys. When you invest in, into your fellow branches, instead of that, you're doing that sacrificially, which I believe is obedience. In the book of Hebrews, it even says singing is a form of sacrifice. I didn't write the verse down. and so Which means if we're singing, um, now some of us have skill, and we're offering our skills as a sacrifice, Right, because your, your musical skills, you can use those to worship yourself, and so those those of us with musical skills who do that here are offering a sacrifice for the branches, right, for the benefit of all the rest of us. And I say this with love, but for the rest of us who don't have skill, when we sing, we are sacrificing. And for me, it's sacrificing my pride, my ego. And so that's why we all need to do it, because it benefits, it's a sacrifice for all of us. Those of us who sing bad, when we sing together, we are sacrificing, you know, our self-esteem so that we can support one another. Hopefully, the reason my voice is so bad is to encourage you. Like, right, if this guy is singing, then, oh, then I have to, I have to sing, And I hope you find encouragement in that, that all these things that I think we're doing already is fruit, that you have this fruit in your life. And praise God for that, that if we're singing together and living together, investing in the church together, loving each other, then we're being obedient. We are being disciples of Christ, bearing fruit of sacrificial friendship. Which means, church, if you want fruit and we need fruit. And if you want fruit, you have to do two things. You have to have a friend in Jesus, and you have to be a friend like Jesus. Let me pray for us. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.